Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On all things franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time in your busy day to spend with me. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the autistic community. I recently read an article and it said $2 billion, $2 billion, this is a $2 billion U.S. autistic treatment market, which is poised for growth in 2021. If you're listening to this recording, it's July the 27th of 2021. There are 3.5 million children and adults with autism in America. The North American market for autism disorder treatment is expected to grow over the next five years due to a variety of factors more widespread awareness of the condition, more insurance coverage, and more effective treatment for patients. And that's going to be the topic of discussion today with my guest, Nicole Dayer. And she is the founder of Success on the Spectrum, which offers applied behavior analysis. And you'll be hearing the reference ABA during the show today, Therapy speech therapy, occupational care therapy, and social skills. So please help me in welcoming Nicole to the show. Nicole, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Linda. It's such an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love to do, Nicole, is to introduce my audience to unique franchise opportunities. And I say this so many times that it's no more burgers than fries and that there are so many industries that are embracing this franchise business model. So before we get started a little bit on how you founded it and why you decided to franchise it, tell me a little bit about your story, Nicole. Well, I was a nuclear medicine technologist, which is completely unrelated to the autism field whatsoever. (laughs) And uh, I married a man who had a daughter with autism. So I was suddenly stepmom to this little girl that I had no idea how to help. And the more at that time went on, we decided that she needed therapy for her symptoms. She was diagnosed as severe. And we looked for ABA therapy because ABA is the most effective treatment for autism and it's recommended by, you know, a hundred different agencies, the pediatrics and and the American Academy of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, we began searching. Now we live in Houston, which is the medical capital of the country. And every single place I called could not take her. They were either full or they had long waiting lists. And one place even told me, oh, she's too old. We only take them up to five years old. It was crazy. 
Um, mm. And that's when I realized the demand for these services. I'm not the only mom out there looking. Mm-hmm. Um, the demand is very, very high, and there just aren't enough providers to meet the need that exists out there, even in a right. place as medically forward as Houston. But you look at other mm-hmm. cities, Nicole, and they, they would probably have to drive, if, if we, they were able to get in, if they were able to get on that wait list and were approved, they may have to drive maybe hundreds of miles to make that happen, right? That's, that's very right. So it's more common to be able to find providers in large cities, but Small cities have nothing. The mid, the entire Midwest has nothing, um, and it's it's a newly emerging industry. I mean, ABA is only about 50 years old. So when you think about how slowly a certain industry usually gains popularity or the attention of the public eye, it's it's really amazing that this industry hasn't boomed faster than it has, um, but it most certainly is growing very quickly just due to the need. So you mentioned earlier that you certainly didn't have um, any training or background in this. So at what point did you go to your husband and say, look, um, this is one of those things, if we can't find it, we have to create it. It was actually his idea. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, I was, you know, whining and crying about not being able to, to find help for my little girl. Like, she's little mm-hmm. and she needs this, and who would be able, like, what monster would turn this child away? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I think that you have great leadership skills and you would be a great business owner, so why don't you open one? Wow. So he handed me his life savings and said, shoot for it. And I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so where do you start when all you have, Nicole, is just that really that need from a mother's perspective? Who do you look for to be on your team? Because certainly at that time, you probably didn't even know what an FDD was. And no, uh, and and even before franchising, this business was really meant just to be small and for my daughter, like hire a behavior analyst, hire a couple of behavior technicians, get a couple of other kids in with it to kind of break the cost down for me. And it was meant to just give her what she needed. But when you open a small little business and you say it on Facebook on these autism mom blogs, I realized how many other people were on these waiting lists too, and it kind of grew out of control. My first center became full in six months, and wow. then I was the person on the other side of the phone saying, I'm sorry, we have, we're full, we have a wait list, and I felt like a piece of garbage. So I opened the second center, and within nine months, that one was full, and I was again turning people away. And I thought to myself, I can't do this by myself. This is mm-hmm. this is a problem much bigger than just me to fix. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I decided to turn the company into a franchise to extend these services to more places and and get help from well, other people. You you mentioned that it was a problem bigger than what you could fix, but I think what it was, Nicole, it was the solution to a big problem that 
you know, you were providing. Yeah. It is. And I mean, any parent will tell you they'll do anything for their child. Mm -hmm. And even if insurance wouldn't pay for it, I would go without eating before I missed a treatment session for her. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. every parent feels the same. And now that the industry is picking up pace and that health insurance is federally mandated to pay for this service, so many more kids can get the access, can pay for the service, but the access isn't there because there's not enough providers. And this is what I hope to accomplish. I want to extend access, open more clinics, take more kids in, and give them the treatment that they deserve. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that their parents have been searching for probably for day, from day one and just haven't been able to find it. So, Nicole, let's talk a little bit about what that service is. And, you know, for the layperson like myself, um, maybe you can explain a little bit more what ABA provides and what age group of children are you, um, do, you, do you service? Sure. So, ABA is simply a method of teaching that uses the scientific principles of behavior to teach a child brand new skills or to reduce problem behavior like tantruming or aggression. And children with autism, you know, they can all have a a variety of symptoms, but some of the main symptoms are that they are not able to pretend or imagine kids with autism are very literal. If you show Mm -hmm. them something and you say, this is a truck, they will then know that this is a truck, but they don't know that this toy truck is also called truck. And the thing in the parking lot is also a truck. They, they don't generalize information and it's very hard for them to learn verbal language when you can't generalize, because if you thought that every single object in the entire world had a different name, Mm. you wouldn't even try to remember them all. You would just give up. And out of that frustration comes the problem behavior, the tantrums, the the, um, aggression and everything else. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to teach imagination and pretend play and and self-help skills to a child that's very young. It's certainly nothing the school system is trained to do. Um, And that's where we come in. We are specialized teachers, essentially, and we give them all the skills that schools don't even touch, like making eye contact or social skills or emotional maturity or emotional development. This is something that schools don't teach, and and we fill in those missing gaps. Mm -hmm. And so... When, when you talk about the, um, the schools don't offer everything, so do you work closely then with the schools? Do you know, um, do you know what the kids are being offered in school and you kind of um, fill in the blanks there? How many days a week does that look like? You know, just, um, just you know, what does that look like for the kiddos? Right, so... The schools really only teach academics, and that's it. They don't teach a child how to play. They don't teach them self-care skills, how to potty train, social skills, language skills, none of those things. So if we're lucky enough 
a child is diagnosed earlier than five years old because kids normally start school when they're five. Um, So if they're diagnosed early, the earlier the better, we can teach them all the things that they need to know before they even get to school. And Mm -hmm. these kids from, you know, age two to five, they usually come to our center full-time, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., 40 hours a week. Once a child becomes school-aged, the goal is to allow them or to teach them enough for them to participate in a school setting because academics are important. And that school setting, the, the social aspect of a school setting, is very important. Um, but for kids with more severe symptoms that do, do not have language skills or, you know, they may be seven years old, eight years old, and still not potty trained, these mm-hmm. kids don't fit in in school systems. Mm-hmm. So instead of going to school, they stay with us until they are ready, if they are ever ready, to mainstream. Mm-hmm. So we serve kids from two years old all the way till 18 years old. Oh, wow. And That's once great. they turn 18... Thank you. Once they're an adult, they need a completely different environment. They need more independent skills and self-care skills than we can provide within our centers. So that's a different story. But Mm -hmm. anyone who is a child, we can help them with whatever deficit they may have. Um, Let's now look a little bit at what that franchise opportunity looks like, Nicole. Now, um, I would I, I would have been like you. I came out of a corporate background, banking, and I would have had no um, no skills at all. Are you looking for <laughs> franchisees who maybe have um, a child that has struggled with autism, or um, are you looking for someone who is an occupational therapist? or has worked with children, who makes a good franchisee for you? The ultimate franchisee is a person with leader skills and people skills. I didn't have any experience in anything autism when I started the business, and honestly, I don't need to because you hire the people who are the professionals, who are the specialists. And the owners really only do the business side. You are there to support your employees, to give them whatever they need to do their jobs well. So as an owner, I'm doing payroll, I'm paying the bills, I'm buying the computers, and I'm doing the bookkeeping and some of the marketing. But I don't have to know anything about ABA per se. But as it would turn out, all but two of our franchisees so far, and we have 16 of them, All but two are autism parents, Mm -hmm. and it's mostly because they believe in the system. They know how high the demand is. It offers, you know, owning the business will offer stability to their child as well as bringing in an income. Um, So it just so happens that they're autism parents or someone with a close link to autism. But there are no real knowledge requirements ahead of time. We can teach all of that. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about teaching, you're talking about the training. Um, what does that training look like? We help people from start to finish. We assume that you know nothing about the business world. Your first lesson is how to open an LLC. 
second mm-hmm. lesson, how to open a business checking account. We, I mean, we don't want to treat you like you're dumb, but we don't want to leave any detail out. And we really assist people from the very beginning all the way till selling their clinic, you know, 30 years from now. We will be there in assisting. And our very intensive, very hands-on training um, will train both the CEO, the behavior analyst, and who, whatever office manager they decide to hire. And those three key employees, as we call them, uh, will actually come to corporate office, train for two weeks hands-on, and then we do a lot of um, virtual training before and after that. So to open a center, um, you mentioned three employees. Is that how many employees someone should anticipate having when they open their doors? You have to start with at least those three. But ABA is a one-on-one service. So for every client that you hire, you have to hire another technician. So if uh, at max capacity for our model, we can serve 25 kids in one building. So you'll have your three key employees, and then you'll have the 25 technicians, one with each child. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your building. What is the, the square footage of a typical center? A typical center will be around 5,000 square feet, so you can comfortably fit the 25 kids and have different types of rooms for them to um, go into. We have an art room, a playroom, a a social room, and then little private rooms. So 5,000 square feet is typical. Now, for places like Los Angeles and New York where rent is, you know, very expensive, There are different models that we can do there where we reduce it down to 2,000 and do a lot more remote services. Mm. But um, most places, the 5,000 is, is, works very well. Mm-hmm. And so someone is getting ready to open their new location. Oh, one other thing, what is the territory size? We usually don't put any two centers closer than 10 miles apart. Um, most of the time, it's much further than that, but 10 miles apart is just our minimum requirement. Well, by the, what you've been describing, it doesn't take much to get to capacity, but um, to, when someone is opening their center, what type of marketing do you help them with to get the message out there? Because I am sure that there would be so many families wanting to take advantage of that, but how do you get that center in front of them? It doesn't take much, to be honest. The demand is so high. These parents are hunting for ABA online all the time. As soon as someone, a franchisee, you know, signs a lease and we know what their address is going to be, we throw them on Facebook, we throw them on Instagram, we throw them on Google Maps, and we immediately start getting calls. But what's special about our franchise is that we have this wonderful community outreach program and I insisted on this because it's not just about making money yes it's a business but it's about giving back to the community and giving access to care to kids even if they can't afford ABA so we do events for kids Um, just last week we threw a gigantic autism prom which is very special because some of the kids these kids will never go to high school and they'll never get to experience Experience these milestone events like prom that means so much to you know you and I who went to school that that was a big thing for us 
And so we throw these events so they get to experience it too. We had over 300 people attend our prom, and that it was wow. a huge marketing thing for us. But in addition, it, it's, it's how we give back. You know, one of the things that I'm noticing more and more, Nicole, is that many of the franchises, the franchisors, have built in this social responsibility, I guess you would say, where there is that community give back built into the the model. But your your whole franchise is is totally focused on that social responsibility. And I would think that your franchisees are going to be very, very special people. We have never even had a single person think about selling their business yet. I mean, it's such a feel-good model. It makes you the purpose that it gives to your life makes you so happy on the inside. Yeah. And, you know, it's an incredible feeling. Absolutely. I know a lot of people these days, Nicole, are looking for opportunities that um, will give them that feel good because they're ready to leave that corporate job. They're ready to get out of that rat race. And I don't know if you've heard the term, the great resignation, but there is a (laughs) huge wave. And I think some of that certainly came from uh, the pandemic, and I call it the the great pause because it caused us to pause. Are are you seeing people that may have made this decision because they were in this pandemic, and it caused them to reflect and decide, I got to do something. I got to do something more purposeful with my life here. One hundred percent. I mean, there's a hundred ways to make money. And the corporate world is really great for that. But at the end of the day, do you hate your job? Do you wake up excited to go to work? Do you ever cry happy tears at work? Not sad tears, not tired tears, but frustrating tears, but really like crying happy tears. This happens to us weekly. We are just so – I wake up every morning thinking – today is, is going to be amazing. I'm never upset to have to go into the office. It's such a great, great field. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. Nicole, I cried many tears when I was in corporate, but never happy tears. <laughs> the only time I cried happy tears was the day I left. So, <laughs> but I know that this is this has got to be Um, an opportunity for someone who does have that passion for giving back, that does have that passion for children. And whether they have an autistic child or not, it allows them to make a difference, making a difference in someone's life. I tell you what, I'm getting close to commercial break time here, but I have a feeling, Nicole, you might have some stories that you could share with us when we come back. Do you? Oh, a ton. (laughs) Very good. Folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing more from Nicole from Success on the Spectrum. 
Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898. Or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. We are here with Nicole Dayer. Am I pronouncing your last name correct, Nicole? Yes, Daher is uh, how my the American way of pronouncing it. But don't ask me to do it with the in it. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ask my husband how to say it that way. <laughs> I understand. But folks, we're talking about Success on the Spectrum, which is a franchise that Nicole founded um, that actually, there are centers that actually provide um, help for those families who have autistic children. Um, so Nicole, when we broke for commercial break, you said that you had some stories you could share with us. Now, don't make me cry. Oh, I'm making no promises. <laughs> <laughs> there, it, it's one of the lessons that I love to teach my franchisees is that it's not always about the kids. Autism affects the entire family. I mean, it's an extra financial burden. These kids are mentally, even though they're physically five or six years old, they could stay mentally two years old for a long time. And if you imagine this terrible two-stage lasting many, many years, it's exhausting. And these parents who are desperate for help for their children have weathered the storm for so much longer than your typical family they need the help just as much as the kids do. And it's a very ungracious job to have a child who is who has problem behavior and you just try your best and nothing ever gets better. We had um, one specific parent, b- wonderful mom, like brought her child hot lunch every day at the center, mm-hmm. would leave, go home and cook for him and come back. I wish my mother had ever showed up on time for anything. This mother loved her child, and he was completely nonverbal. He had never spoken a word in his life. He was six years old, and one of the, you know, he had many programs we were teaching him to, you know, use the bathroom by himself and 
wash his teeth. We were teaching him to heat up his own food in the microwave. We were teaching him how to do all these things to help himself. And when you think about when you're teaching a child to talk, what is the first thing that you teach them? And it's usually the things that they need first to have their Mm -hmm. needs met. So we taught him to say when he was hungry. We taught him to say when he needed the bathroom, when he was thirsty, when he was tired. And then I said, the next thing we're teaching him is how to say, I love you. And this child who had never really spoken a word, mom came to pick him up. We took him outside and I said, okay, it's time. Say it, but we practiced. And he looked at her and he said, I love you, mom. And mom was crying and we were crying and everybody was crying. And while this may not have affected the child's life, it made every bit of difference to that parent. And all the struggles that she had been through was suddenly worth everything. And this is only an emotional need from that mom that had Mm. not been met that Mm. we helped fix for her. Now, do you teach them sign language? Do you teach them sign language, Nicole? or, Or do you actually teach them verbal language? All kids are different. So our long-term goal is to teach verbal language because in the real world, that's how somebody would get around. Mm -hmm. So that's the ultimate goal. But studies have shown that learning sign language first can actually lead to verbal language. Um, I personally prefer using devices because the world is very technologically advanced now and not many people speak sign language. So we have programs that they put on their little iPad that when they press a button, it speaks for them. Most Uh, of the time, these kids comprehend language. They just, their brain cannot get it out (laughs) to speak. mm -hmm. But they can press, they can use that tablet to type or to press buttons that will speak for them. So that's the first thing we usually teach is how to communicate and have your needs met using a device because you can go to Burger King and order, you know, a burger using a tablet, but maybe sign language wouldn't have anybody there that knew anything. Uh, so pointing point. is always the first try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how about your um, your franchisees? Do you have any stories of a franchisee that you could share with us? The franchisees all come to me with stories all the time. Um One of our newest opening franchisees is Memorial, and they are in the Houston area as well. And her story actually was a surprise. She was, again, uh, she had a different franchise in the past uh, to do with kids because she always loved kids, and it was like a summer camp thing. And when COVID happened, it kind of destroyed that. So she said she wanted a more stable franchise and a more stable business. And anything medical, of course, you know, it's it's a medically necessary service. So we remained open throughout COVID. It's a very steady, stable business. So she franchised with us. And she said, I don't know why that I'm so drawn to this business and how it helps kids. And I remember during our initial franchise training, she kept asking me these strange questions. Like, why do children with autism do this? And I'm like, well, it's, it's because their brains are wired differently because they do this and this. And I didn't put two and two together. 
she discovered that her 11-year-old son has autism and she never oh knew. Goodness. She thought he had a learning disability or had ADD or was just a little bit slow. And after she did franchise training, she said, oh, my God, I never realized. She took him to a specialized pediatrician, and they diagnosed him right there. Definitely has autism. And, you know, it's really late in the game. You're 11 years old. It's, it's, it's hard to start a whole new routine and a whole new parenting style based on new information that you just get. But I always wonder, was she drawn to our franchise because somehow mm. unconsciously she knew? Mm. And so, boom, another family helped um, wow. without even trying. And wow. these, these kids are so plentiful. I mean, so many, two and a half percent of the population, adults and kids, have autism. And most of the adults that have autism are walking around and don't know it because they didn't diagnose back in the day. So tell me a little bit about that diagnosis. How could that slip um, past a pediatrician that, because they should be trained in, in identifying that, right? They should be, but if you think about how much time a pediatrician spends with a child, yeah. it's minutes. And the only person that can really notice that something is wrong, other than super obvious severe symptoms, are the parents. And if the parents aren't giving information about what to look for, it just goes unnoticed for a long mm -hmm. time. And so now with greater awareness and now that we know that it's not just Rain Man severe symptoms, that it can actually be something as simple as talking late and not being able to make eye contact and being very picky when eating food, now parents are asking their pediatrician questions. Hey, he does this. Hey, he does this. And then the pediatrician says, oh, it might be this. Let's go test for it. Mm -hmm. so and how old do they have to be? How often do they have to? How old I, do they have to be to be a, a diet? Typically, because I mean, infants don't have these social skills to begin with, right? right? So it kind of takes at least two years old. My daughter was diagnosed when she was 18 months. That was super okay. early. But my husband's a doctor, so he kind mm -hmm. of figured it out and was alerted before um, the common parent would. But I would think 18 months would really be the oldest, I mean, the youngest that you could diagnose mm -hmm. because they're not expected to have those skills anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nicole, we're getting close to the end of the show. And as much as I, I am enjoying this conversation, I know that it is coming to an end. Um, we've got those final three questions. But prior to that, if someone's listening, and whether they are interested in the services that they that success on the spectrum offers, or maybe they're looking for, you know, they're educating themselves, or maybe they really want to uh, find out more about how they can participate as a franchisee in this movement. Where would they go to find out more information? Our main website is successonthespectrum.com. We have an About Autism page that can tell you about the symptoms. We have a list of all of our services and how it actually helps. We have a blog that actually has parent training articles and what you can do at home and how you can make your communication with your child better. 
Um, you can find a location near you because we are a national franchise, and hopefully we do have one next to you, and you can get services there. And if there's not one near you, you can go to SOSFranchising.com, and there is a link from one site to the other, um, that you can open your own, and you can create that center in your area for your child and for others. Wonderful. Nicole, did I hear that you just recently won an award? I did. I did win an award. So we are the only ABA franchise in the country. We're the, the only one that exists, which is crazy wow. because it's such a great idea. Why wouldn't other people do this? Um, oh, so amazing. I was awarded the uh, top 100 healthcare leaders from IFA, which is the um, International Forum of Advanced Healthcare. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that. You know, I just, and you. you also look at all the people that you've been able to uh, change their lives. Look at the families, look at the kids, uh, simply because you said, this is too big for me to do on my own. And you decided to franchise Definitely. it. Yeah. Good yes. Kudos to you. Kudos to you, Nicole. So, so we Thank are down so to those much. final three questions here. And the first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? Well, um, most of the time people need a startup loan. Not just everyone has a whole pile of cash lying around for that. So if you... Um, have a little bit, uh, a little bit of money saved up, and a little bit of good credit. That's all it takes to get an SBA loan, startup loan by the government. We are registered with the SBA, so that it's it's a very easy approval process. Um, so we can help connect you with bankers that have approved previous franchisees. We make the business plan for you. We do the financial projections with you. We help you through every single step. Uh, once you get the startup funding, we look for an office space, and we help you pick that. We tour places with you, tell you exactly what to look for. And from there, you just hire your team and, and get it going. Yeah, that's awesome. So the second question here, and I know we've touched a little bit on this in the interview, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? You must be a leader. And you must be able to empower people because you won't be doing the work yourself. You are there to support your team and help your business grow by giving them the things that you need. If you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your clients. And so we're looking for people with common sense, and we're looking for people that are supportive and not oppressive uh, Mm -hmm. bosses because mm-hmm. that's, that's what helps your business achieve success. You know, one of the things that I notice, I've networked for quite a few years, one of the things I notice with many independent business owners is that they limit the growth of their business because they do want to do it all themselves. The great thing about right. being part of franchise is the leaders of the franchise can help identify that and say, Hey Mary, you need to step back a bit because if you want this to grow, this is these are some of the things that you have to work on as well. 
100%. It's all a part of our training. Um, and it's, it's you got to have the leadership, the strong people skills. You do have to be actively involved in your business. Um, but it's all about just don't be, not being in your own way. <laughs> right, right. Not trying to do everything yourself. Like you said, you have to be a team player. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Well, the final question here is, what do you, what does the future of franchising look like? I imagine that the trend of this industry, I mean, it's already booming, um, but as autism awareness gains a stronger foothold than it has, and more kids are being diagnosed, the number of providers just we only meet 30% of the demand as of right now. Mm-hmm. So this industry only has up to go. And it's, it's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger. But what I'm hoping for the industry is that right now everyone is so desperate for services that they're not being picky on the quality. They will take anything they can get because anything is better than nothing. And what I hope to accomplish with my franchise is to establish that standard of quality, that standard mm. of excellence, that even though we have high demand, we can still do things the right way and we can still do right by the kids. We're not here just to make a quick buck. I can open the burger place for that, like you said. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make a difference in people's lives. And eventually – you know, a hundred years from now when that demand is catching up to the supply is catching up to the demand, there's going to be restrictions put on the industry and I hope it happens sooner than later. Uh, And then we would have already met those standards because we established those standards for the industry. We want to grow into a company that makes it hard for the people who are doing it wrong to exist. Mm -hmm. We want to Mm -hmm. create the parent expectations that they should have from an ABA center. Yeah, most definitely. Going out there and creating something that raises the bar in an in, in the entire industry is is mm-hmm. certainly uh, something to be proud of. So, um, Nicole, we are down to the end of the show here. But one more time, if someone's listening and they have a child and they need the service or maybe they want to educate themselves on it, or they want to, to check into the franchise opportunity, where would they go to find that information? If you are a parent of a child with autism, please visit successonthespectrum.com to find out more information about autism and the services that can help the symptoms of autism. And if you have the spirit of an entrepreneur and the heart for kids, please visit sosfranchising.com to learn how you can open your own Success on the Spectrum franchise. Wonderful. Nicole, I just so admire you for the work that you're doing. I look forward to staying connected with you and Success on the Spectrum. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Linda. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. So folks, you know, just as I said, I have always said is the reason I created this show was to make sure that you knew that you have choices. When you're looking at franchise opportunities, there's choices out there. And many of those choices can actually tap into a passion that you have. 
Who would have known that there was a franchise out there that could tap into your passion to help children, specifically children with autism? So be sure to check out Success on the Spectrum. Uh, it's, a, it's a great organization, and Nicole's doing great work out there. As always, I'm leaving you with a quote. It goes like this. There needs to be a lot more emphasis on what a child can do instead of what a child cannot do. This is a quote by Dr. Temple Grande, and she is a scientist. Folks, thanks so much for being with me today on All Things Franchising, and I'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.